0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the business and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, we're going to talk to Jen Braid, CPAEA, about tips to recession-proof your practice. I'm your host, Kim Brown, Editor of Equal Management. The Business to Practice podcast is brought to you in 2023 by Care Credit. Jennifer M. Braid is a certified CPA and an EA, meaning she has passed the Federal Enrolled Agents Exam and is licensed to practice before the IRS. She's a principal in BFHCPAs, Inc., which stands for Braid, Fourth Over, and Heinkeek. Since the firm's work is limited to serving veterinarians and their practices, Jen has developed a high level of expertise in the finance and tax areas of veterinary business. She is a trusted advisor to many practice owners, bookkeepers, and practice managers. Welcome to the podcast, Jen. Thanks, Ken. I'm glad to be here. Well, we want our audience to understand before we get started that this is a discussion and it doesn't construe tax advice. So... If they have any questions about their own businesses, they need to discuss those with their personal tax advisor, but this may give them a few little bullet points to talk to their tax advisor about. And while most practices have finished their 2022 tax season, we're halfway through the second quarter of 2023. And the big R, or a recession, is still looming in our future according to many financial analysts. So Jen, can you give equine veterinarians some practices, some tips on recession-proofing their practices? Well, I
1: think first we should talk about, you know, recession-proofing isn't really possible because if we could recession-proof, we'd be starting with the economy and not individual (laughs) businesses. But what we need to focus on is what can we do to kind of brace so we can soften the impact of a recession and we can kind of get through it, hopefully unscathed. Um, And, you know, kind of with that, The first point I want to make is that recession is temporary, like all things, it's temporary. So we've just got to kind of get through it. And I think the best piece of advice I can give before even talking from, you know, business and number standpoint is to be optimistic, lead with optimism, be the optimistic person on your team to keep the team knowing that this is temporary. We're going to get through this. Um, And I, I think that's a really important point to start with yeah then in terms of thinking about where to go with the business where to focus on you know when it comes to the business there's the, and the finances I mean there, there's really only two things you can do make more money spend less money I mean those are your options and so what are the best ways to do that and the first thing is make more money right and we go a well, recession we're not going to make more money the theory is that there's going to be less but think of <laughs> About creative ways to kind of adjust that i mean we all did it during the pandemic we we moved to alternative ways of managing our businesses because we were forced to and so thinking creatively how can i expand my service offerings how can i change my service offerings what options do i have um there's certainly always room for change to kind of work through that um The next thing is kind of just standard business is you should be reviewing your fee schedule and making sure you're keeping up with fee increases on a regular basis. You know, everything goes up, the cost of everything goes up. And, you know, it's easy when it's a one for one line item on an invoice. We pay so much for a drug. We charge the client for the drug. That's an easy thing to do. What we often fail to look at or we forget to look at is the 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 soft costs, all the costs that aren't a line item on an invoice, taking those things into into consideration. We've got a fantastic team of individuals. We want to pay them well. We don't want them vacating veterinary medicine to go somewhere else because they can make more money. And so we've got to make sure we've got enough money coming in. Those are things that you should be doing all the time regardless of whether we're in a recession if we're in a growth period whatever it is um so i think those things in terms of the fees become really important as the first step making more money you know how do we make more money it's not necessarily always i need to do more work to make more money
0: right and tell me you know, you mentioned personnel as a soft cost what would be some other soft costs jen well, I'm thinking
1: more so in terms of soft costs. I'm thinking of the the supplies. So, you know, it's stuff like sutures, gauze, you know, the soft cost of goods, the, the goods that we're using in veterinary medicine that don't become a direct line item to a client. You know, vaccine, that's the line item to a client. But there's a lot of materials we are using that, you know, we're not taking into consideration. Did we increase the, the cost of surgeries when the suture cost went up? Did we, you know, did we do these things um, outside of just you know the personnel and all of those pieces just inventoryable items um goods that we're using in the ter- in the in the course of services so
0: okay. i was thinking about it how i know you know every now and then i'll get a 5 or 10 or 20 or whatever dollar surcharge on my trash picking up or you know all of a sudden there's fee increases in just normal you know your electric your trash your you know cleaning service that you don't yeah. even think about. It. you just say, oh, okay, well, it's it's gone up ten percent. So, yeah,
1: I mean, everything's gone up ten percent or more. I mean, that's, that's where we're <laughs> at we're, that's the reality of the last year or so. Um, you know, it seems like everything's gone up that much. But, you know, um per, my, you know, personally, I don't advise um the clients I work with to add, surcharges and line items to invoices. You know, when 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 we had the the, the outrageous fuel sure if you want to do a temporary fuel surcharge because that's what was being passed to you, fine. Um of course in the equine world everybody's traveling so you better be doing fuel charges. I mean this shouldn't even be a conversation. But I, I don't like the idea of you know know nickel and diming line items on invoices it's not something that i buy into i know it's often out there and it's recommended i personally don't recommend that it's it's kind of build your services and set yourself apart you know why are you worth what you are worth and um you know veterinarians are great at what they do and there's a reason their clients keep going back to them and um you know those are those are
0: the The biggest things is, is kind of don't, I'd say don't add line items to
1: invoices, but consider it in terms of the overall okay. structure there. Um, thinking about, you know, in the equine world, so much is done on account. You know, we have so, such high accounts receivable. And so we're, doing stuff and we're spending money and we're paying drug vendors and we're just floating credit to all of our clients. And if we get slow pay, you know, that's a lot of times what happens. Well, our vendors aren't going to let us slow pay, but then our clients are slow paying us. So, you know, as things tighten up, things you could consider is incentives for upfront payment um, you know, can I do some sort of small discount or is there some sort of incentive that I can do if you pay up front, um, at the time of service, you know, being able to collect immediately will go a long way to kind of keep the cash flowing as, as things tighten up. Um, and, you know, that's always one way is, is thinking in terms of that, um, getting stiffer on who. You know what you're doing, um if you've got clients who have historically been a slow pay, you know, charging upfront, you know, fifty percent upfront for me to even call out there. Um, you know you've got to get in your truck. you got to hike out to wherever you're going. You've got gas costs. you've got all kinds of stuff. and time. I mean, time is the the biggest factor there. And if you're not getting paid for that, when you've got bills to pay, consider, you know, forcing down payments. Um that's an option
0: yeah i'm I'm real big. I think veterinarians should just have credit cards or something on file, and they should have an agreement that they get paid at time of service. I mean, we I don't go to the grocery store and get groceries and not pay for them. so,
1: yeah. and you know, in in the small animal world, we have a lot of that where there is no accounts receivable. So in the equine world, because of the nature, oftentimes you're not on site with the the owner or the responsible party, you know, there's got to be some sort of a way to make that happen, whether, you know, we've got upfront payments and things like that um, happening. I agree with you. You know, you should be getting paid when the work is done. You know, why, why should you have to foot these bills and cover these costs and they'll get around to paying you when they do.
0: Right. And what else do you think that people can do? We kind of talked about, you know, the purchasing and making sure that that's covered in the overall. What about hiring? I mean, you did mention we want to pay our people well. And as things tighten up, how do you maintain that and and keep your benefits?
1: Yeah, I mean it. It comes down to making sure you're evaluating all of your costs and getting rid of and eliminating unnecessary costs. Payroll is a necessary cost, and as we keep moving through and uh, expectations change, um, I you know I I was just reading an article about you know four hundred one ks and how. You know, they're, they're practically a necessity at this point point. and you go back even five ten years ago and it was unheard of in small business you know stay away from 401ks they're expensive they cost too much money all this stuff and and now it's like if you want to be competitive you've got to be doing this um, we know in the veterinary arena we've got young veterinarians coming out with astronomical student loan debt and there's an expectation there that hey, you're going to help me get this paid or I'm not going to be able to work because if I can't cover these costs, um, you know, whether right or not, it's the reality of it. Right. So, you know, you can have whatever opinion about it. The reality is is they've got astronomical student debt and um, they're looking for it. Fortunately, there's been, you know, movement on that front to allow employers to kind of contribute in that way. Various things that have kind of put into play. but the only way you can really invest in personnel is by making more money or spending less money elsewhere. So I think, you know, one of the best things you can do, and it's easy for us to get comfortable, ah, the money's flowing, you know, we kind of get loose and carefree and we're not watching stuff as tightly, but there is, you know, I'd be willing to bet there's hardly, anybody out there who can't find something to eliminate in their budget. I mean, you think of the world of subscription-based services we live in and veterinary practices are not immune to that. They have subscription-based services up and down, you know, their PL. and And I am certain there are things that they can either price shop and find cheaper. They can eliminate for a period of time. It doesn't mean eliminate it forever, but could be eliminated for a period of time. And I think that is something that should be being done all the time but it's easy to go everything's getting paid my time is limited i don't have time to negotiate all these contracts but who do you got that can help you what do you what have you got in there that can truly be eliminated because there's got to be something whether it's a subscription to a car wash for your truck or you know some uh music streaming service or something that you're supplementing or paying, um, there's always a place to save money. So I think, you know, one of the things that I think would be incredibly important and for practices to be doing with advisors, whether that's, you know, their internal bookkeepers, if they've got the skill base, I think practices to some extent, you know, you, you've been running your practice a long time, you know, a lot about it. You can kind of work some of this math yourself, but I think finding a break even calculation, you know, What do I have to bring in every day? And am I hitting that mark to just keep everything afloat? Knowing that can give you a little bit of comfort. Starting there can let you know, you know, how much cash reserves do I need to have to keep everything paid for some period of time. Um, mm-hmm. If I think, you know, we're going to hit a recession, um, if the recession is going to be extensive, you know, what does that look like? And so I think going through a break-even calculation, and that really kind of forces you to analyze every expenditure. Do I need this? Is this something I need? You know, a lot of this is kind of the the same stuff we were going through um as the pandemic kind of hit and they started shutting down businesses there was a lot of panic for business owners i'm going what are we going to do you know how are we going to keep this all afloat like who's going to do this if everybody's out of work nobody can pay for anything and you know and and fortunately in the veterinary arena everybody got pets and had extra animals and you know there was a lot going on there so um you know Veterinary medicine performed really well through the pandemic um, compared to some other industries that were decimated, like restaurant industries and things like that. So um, we, but at the beginning of the pandemic with that unknown, this is a lot of kind of the same thing as like bracing for this economic downturn. Where do we go? other things that we can look at. So I think practice break even, find out how much money do I got to make and then start tracking it. You know, how often am I hitting that bar? And um, am I not hitting that bar? And if I'm not hitting that bar often enough, what do I need to do to adjust things? Raise fees or spend less. You got to find a way, right? Um, kind of the the next piece to be thinking about you know staffing is the biggest part of it and when we're budgeting for staffing um you know oftentimes we talk about you know paying overtime hours to support staff, things like that you know, we don't want to pay overtime. but what's often overlooked is overpay, which would be you know I clocked you for I, I scheduled you for 35 but I'm paying you 39 hours a week that's four hours of pay that's not in my budget what is the reason that that's happening why is that happening um and tracking that and kind of you know while i'm the staff is our our bread and butter i mean without staff we can't do what we're doing we still need to be really tight in that arena and go, you know, while it may not be overtime hours, which are really easy to see on a payroll report, oh, look at these overtime hours I paid, it's the scheduled versus clocked piece that I think can be um, managed a little tighter. You know, stop clocking in 15 minutes early and clocking out 15 minutes late every day when that is not what I've budgeted for. If those are necess- you know ne- necessary hours, then we should be factoring those into the budget yeah um and kind of putting those pieces in so
0: the business of practice podcast is brought to you by care credit care credit keeps equine veterinarians at the heart of care by providing horse owners with simple budget-friendly financing options by bridging the gap between cost and care care credit supports healthy financial relationships between veterinarians and their clients it can help them move forward with care a horse needs whenever and wherever it's needed. And, you know, what about investing in your practice during a pandemic? Hiring or building or renovating or getting that new piece of equipment? That can be pretty scary for somebody when they think, oh my gosh, they're saying within 12 months, there's a probability that we'll have a recession. I mean, what what do you advise about investing in your practice?
1: Well, it's it's no different during a recession than not during a recession. You don't invest unless it's going to make you money. I mean, we don't just spend money unless it's it's a need. I mean, yeah, we all want the shiny piece of new equipment, but the reality is 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 that going to um, pay for itself? Do I have the ability to 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 push that through? Thinking about acquisitions of equipment specifically, or big expenditures like that, can, you know, interest rates are awful right now, for lack of a better term. I mean, they're they're not yeah. great. You know, they're not where they were a year ago or two years ago. Um, so thinking about kind of what do you have available to you? Can you afford it? Is it worth it? Can you push it off? Can you push it off, off a few months? Or do you need it? Did the equipment broke break and you need to replace it? Or, Do I just want it because I've got a good offer on the table? Um, I went to AAEP and it was smiling at me. You know, what is it that uh, that that's forcing me or kind of making me think I want this piece of equipment? It comes down to that. I really think, you know, during times of recession, we got to tighten the belt a little bit. We've got to just kind of like limp through, get through it. You know, again, it's temporary. So it's not like you're never going to get that piece of equipment. Um, But if you don't need it, I wouldn't be doing that. I really think You know, the focus should be on making sure we've got lines of credit available to us. You know, what do we have? Do we have an open line of credit with our bank um, in the event that we had to? Um, Everybody should have one there. They should be considered kind of emergency funding. I never, ever want to have to use it. I just want to know it's there in the event that I do Um, work on, you know, strengthening cash reserves everywhere that you can. And, um, you know, I think one of the easiest easiest ways to look at, you know, how much cash should I have on hand is thinking uh, a certain number of payrolls. Can I pay three months of payroll? You know, if I can pay three months of payroll, then worst case scenario, I've got three months to wind down everything, right? If I had to, Um, you know, that's doom and gloom kind of thinking, but it's that reality of can I get three to six months of payroll? And as, as, you know, we brace for recession, can I get even more than that? Can I get a year's worth of payroll? You know that gives me a longer time. I mean, it's taken a, you know, a bit of time for us to kind of get where we are economically, and it's going to take a bit of time to kind of recover from that too. So, you know, if you can get a year's worth of payroll, you know that's a a, a lot to cover. I mean, it's a huge. It's forty to fifty percent of every practice's budget. You know, annual budget uh, um, covering payroll costs. But those are things for consideration making sure you've got the open credit lines, I think is really important. And um, I, you know, a lot of, a lot of times I get like, I want to pay down my debt. I want to pay down my debt. I don't think that, you know, as you're bracing for a recession, that that's always the best route. It, it could be, but you've got to look at your individual situation. Um, I wouldn't be tying up funds in investments um, that you can't access easily. You want to have access. You want to be as liquid as possible during a recession. You know, don't tie it up in things. Um, If you're thinking about construction, I would recommend you try to hold off unless you absolutely have to. Um, Just the interest rates on those loans are massive right now. Um, Where interest rates are, you know, I've got I've seen clients who locked into variable rate loans when rates were 5% and now they're at 10% on their loans, you know, massive differences. So avoid, avoid, avoid variable rate loans, you know, even when rates are low, because you never know when the economy is going to send us in the other direction.
0: Yeah. And, and, and the big T word that everybody's always afraid of taxes and, I'm sorry. You, you've climbed up the stairs a few. If you can go before the IRS and argue with them, I mean, bless your heart. I want, to, I want you on my team. Taxes. What can we do to help ourselves as veterinarians with our taxes to get yeah. ready for a recession?
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you can't make the taxes go away. And if you've got someone (laughs) telling you that you can run, that's the best advice I can (laughs) give you Um, run, run, run. You know, one of the things that is so um, heavy in the small business arena is just the the. the ERC, the Employee Retention Credit, um, you're hearing about it everywhere. It's massive, massive tax refunds, massive, massive stuff. And there are like fly-by-night firms out there um, trying to push people to do it. And the IRS is fighting against it. Um, the AICPA is fighting against it. You know, I mean, it's, it's looking really bad. They're getting ready to start auditing these ERC claims. And unless you truly um, had... A, Unless you truly had a, a decline in revenues and, and, you know, it was 50 percent decline in revenues um, for the first round of ERC, you don't qualify for it. So if you've got firms that are kind of pushing forward on that um, I I would have you look at that again as a business owner Um, in terms of taxes, you know, as everything costs more, you're going to make less money. The taxes are going to go down. But what can you do for yourself? You know, depending on how your business is situated, whether you're a sole proprietor, you know, you're a single a single owner of an S corporation or a partnership, you know, it, it kind of varies a little bit but certainly looking at how can you defer income into retirement? What can you do there? Um, What are your options? Do you have a 401k plan? If you're kind of a solo practitioner, which is big in the equine world, can you set yourself up a SEP? If you've got some extra cash, can you set yourself up a SEP plan? Um, They're easy to set up and you can put big, big money into SEP plans. You know, we're talking like, 50000 plus can go in there and be deferred from a tax standpoint, you know, if you've got the cash on hand to do it. Um, Those are certainly options there. Um, You want to make sure you're working with a qualified tax advisor who can make sure you're hitting every deduction that's available to you. Um, And, you know, it's so hard as a tax preparer, there's just no one size fits all. It's not a, here you go, guys, this is this is how you're going to save all the money on taxes. But making sure that we are documenting every expense. You know, one of the things I like to remind people is just because you spent it doesn't mean that the IRS is going to say, yeah, it's good. Um, documentation is so important. You know, a credit card statement that shows you spent money here at this store or that store or wherever it was is not substantiation for the IRS. You need the un- Underlying documentation that shows exactly what was purchased, what was there. Um, thinking about mileage, you know, vehicle mileage. I mean, equine, we're on the road. That's that's what you guys are doing. You're out there, you're on the road, you're, you're using your truck. But if you don't have contemporaneous documentation, whether you're doing that through an app, I know there's lots of them out there. Yeah. Um, I don't even know all the ones that are there, but making sure you're keeping that documentation so that you're getting every ounce of deduction available to you there. Um, I think those are really important things to remember all the time is that we've got to have the proper documentation to make sure we're doing that. You should be meeting with your tax advisors um, as soon as you get a little breathing room. You know, now is not necessarily the time in the equine world. You guys are busier than ever. But um, certainly before the end of the year, you want to be, you know, as you get to the second half of, you know the third quarter, um, gearing up with your tax advisors and go, what should I be doing? What should I be thinking about? Because each individual situation is so different and, you know, you should be asking those questions well in advance to give you enough time to determine where to go.
0: Well, and that's one reason that, you know, I would, I I wanted to talk to you so early and I do appreciate, I realize you're probably still zombified by doing everything that went through the, to the extensions and trying to to get all those done.
1: I call it my Uh, tax hangover.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I know it's it's uh, it's it's like uh, veterinarians during foaling season. Mm -hmm. They just get to be zombies by the time it's May and June. So, yep. But yeah, asking your tax advisor questions as early in the year as possible, because sometimes by the end of the year, you don't have time to implement some of these things.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we we in the tax world, we always talk about we'll worry about this year's taxes this year. We'll worry about next year's taxes next year. I don't think that's as, uh, quite the strategy we need. We need to be thinking a, a little longer term. You know, if I do this this year, how does that impact next year? You know, sometimes we want to kind of move things around. What tax bracket are you in? Where is it going to hit you? Maybe I want to spread those costs over two years or maybe I want to do some things a little different. You know, I'm talking about accelerate your receivables, get people to pay you upfront, but when you get that cash, I mean, most equine practices are running on a cash basis. So they're not paying taxes until they get paid, which means if you're getting paid, you're paying taxes, right? So kind of strategizing that realistically, where should you be to make sure you can cash flow and do the tax? So to me, you know, if you've got an integrated advisor who can kind of pull those two pieces together, you know, this is how it impacts you from a tax perspective, but this is how it impacts you from a business perspective, you know, because they do their state, interplay so much. And if you don't have someone looking at both those pieces, you know, one piece of advice may contradict the other. You know, it's one of the things in terms of my career and what I do with my clients, where I always talk about, you know, as your tax preparer, this is what I say. But as your business advisor, this is what I say. And they don't necessarily agree with each other. You know, as a business, we want to make as much money as possible. And from a tax perspective, we don't want to make any money because we don't want to pay any taxes. So they're very (laughs) contradictory. contradictory. Um, So I think having someone who can kind of integrate those two pieces, or at least have a couple advisors who can work together to kind of give you some of what you need um, is the way to go to make sure you're looking at it from all perspectives.
0: That's great. And Jen, is there anything else that you think is just top of mind tip? And again, we remind our audience that these are just tips from a discussion. This is not tax advice. This is to give you some ideas of things that you need to talk to your own tax advisor about. But Jen, is there anything else that that you can think of that that maybe you'd like to offer?
1: Yeah, there was, you know, one other thing that, that we kind of glossed over a little bit is thinking about, you know, who are your vendors? Um, is there a place where I can buy lesser costs? Goods, you know, what generic stuff is out there? What do I have? Um, you know, what's real big right now is exclusivity contracts, only do business with me, only do business with me, you know, trying to avoid some of that to see where can you spread, um, and get the best pricing on, on your vendors. So kind of looking at diversification of your vendor base, who am I using? Um, and making sure we've kind of got some, some price options there that we can pivot also, thinking about recession, you know, if those vendors have to scale back, I mean, it's not anything new to us. We've had lots of drugs and supply shortages and issues, you know, from time to time. So the more options we've got potentially um, to kind of keep things going, I think that's something else for consideration as well. And, you know, kind of my, my final thing is going to go back to the first thing I said, which is this is temporary. And for your business to be As successful as it can be, you have to have that optimistic belief that your business will survive and overcome. And if you can lead with optimism, your team can also kind of calm during, you know, these rough patches as we go forward.
0: Well, Jen, thank you so much for joining us today. And a big thanks to our audience for listening to The Business of Practice and to our sponsor, Care Credit, who allows us to have these discussions. And we invite you to visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network to hear all the episodes of The Business of Practice. And if you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K, Brown, at equinenetwork.com.